In a complex world brimming with new ambitions, the best leaders create the best workplaces. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers Podcast, where you can hear real stories about digital capabilities and a culture of empowerment with your host, Joanne Meyer. Welcome to the Oil & Gas Global Network's Digital Doers platform, uh, Podcast, actually. We, we're on the OGGN, Oil & Gas Global Network uh, platform, but this is the podcast, The Digital Doers. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We are doing something a little different today than what we normally do, but uh, I think it's going to be um, a nice little break and, uh, and it's going to be very interesting. But before we get into this, I want to be sure and say, first of all, thank you to all of you that found us on Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or Spotify or the Oil & Gas Global Network um, platform website. Uh, thank you for, for joining us today. And the Oil & Gas Global Network is the largest community of, of podcasts for the oil and gas industry. And we are told that sometime in 2022, we will probably hit 3 million downloads of all of the podcasts that you can find on the Oil & Gas Global Network. There's about 13, 14, so check the others out. But today you're here with us on the Digital Doers. The other thing I want to do is be sure and say thank you to our sponsor, HPE. If you get a chance, go take a look at hpe.com. Um, you'll see that they do all kinds of things, but you know they have the widest portfolio of on-premise cloud services and over 12 years of consumption-based experience. That It's all about, particularly their new GreenLake platform, it's all about bringing the cloud to you. So wherever you're co-located, wherever your data is, wherever your apps are, that's what HPE, and in particular their new GreenLake platform, will be able to help you with. So go take a look if you get a chance, hpe.com, or reach out to those guys and, and girls and have a conversation. So with that, I want to move into our topic today. And I said we're doing something a little different. You know, I'm not only speaking to uh, someone with uh, decades of experience in the oil and gas industry, but we're also going to really kind of highlight and honor an organization that has been important to the oil and gas industry for decades, and that is SPE, as we fondly call it, also known as the Society of Petroleum Engineers. And in particular, one of their flagship programs is a program they call the Distinguished Lecturer Program. And I am so honored today um, and can't wait to have a conversation with Marise Mikolis, who is one of this year's 2022-2023, she is one of the distinguished lecturers for SPE. So I'm really happy today to uh, have a chance to talk to her a little bit about this program and also a little bit about what she will be talking about as she lectures, although I don't think it's really a lecture. I think you can probably think of it as a more of a very informative conversation. But as she goes out on the, on the uh, tour, uh, to, to many places, which we're going to hear about. But Marise is the founder of Energy Innova, 
and she's the practice director for business change, digital transformation, and organizational effectiveness. She also founded Energy Anova and does all kinds of things I know there. Um, she's a proven upstream change leader, uh, holding uh, positions within big name companies that you'll recognize, like Microsoft and Baker Hughes, among others. Uh, and she's experienced with working with business operations to lead and successfully implement implement transformational change. Um, she's got a, had a career that's, uh, like I said, been very unique in the things that she's done. And she's been very involved in SPE for, I don't know, how long, Marise? Well, certainly well over 20 years. Okay. Um, I lose track. Yeah. <laughs> but I so, think I'm in good company. <laughs> a couple of decades anyway. And um, but she and she's done all kinds of things. She has she serves on the board of directors for the SPE Gulf Coast section. Um and she's been both the secretary and had some at-large roles. She has been on several of the committees, um, like on the transformation subcommittee of the digital energy technical section. She has received um, uh, awards. She was honored in 2020 with the SPE Gulf Coast Section Service Award. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Marise and say welcome. And uh, and if is there anything else that I missed? Because you've done, tell us, I'm going to ask a question now. Um, I noticed that when you were at Baker Hughes, for a while, you actually worked very closely with their CTO. Yes, yes, I did. Um, my career, my focus is a blend. I'm not a, I'm not a pure play. I have a lot of respect for my pure play uh, colleagues. Um, my career and my focus is a blend of the the uh, the business. Uh, performance, as well as technology enablement for the business performance, as well as closing that out, the uh, adoption of new ways of working and uh, improving what we do so that we can get the most out of the technology. So what a unique concept. We'd actually (laughs) like to get a return on these investments that we're making. (laughs) Oh, that's my fave. (laughs) Um, And so you've been with SPE for a couple of, or involved with SPE for a couple of decades. So tell me, have you always wanted to be a distinguished lecturer? Oh, that's a great question. And as a matter of fact, I would have to say the answer is no. I always uh, look for opportunities to give it back. I have gained so much from this organization. It has done so much to help me um, uh, really get beyond the sort of echo chamber that we have when we're working at one company with one set of people all the time and really hear the way other things are done. Uh, And that's why I've been involved with it so much. I've gained so much uh, as far as professional development goes. And um, I have enormous respect for distinguished lecturers and and I certainly was not one of them. And uh, I was approached by uh, a very 
um, impressive player in uh, our industry and technology and uh, in the upstream, and also uh, an very uh, someone who really uh, walks the talk when she talks about sponsorship and mentoring. She's written books about it. Maria Angela Capello, Capello uh, reached out to me early in 2021, and she said, "Marisa, would you like to be a distinguished lecturer?" And she asked at the moment when I was actually ready and I had something to contribute. I felt that I, I could. And so with her support and uh, the support of many others, um, I uh, managed to go through a very rigorous vetting process and succeeded. So that's my story of how I came to be a distinguished lecturer. I uh, had not aspired to that previously, and the moment uh, came to get came with just happened all together at the right moment. And um, I'm very honored, very honored to be part of this cohort. Well, I know you a little bit, and and I uh, I, I I I certainly understand you being honored. It, it's it's. Uh, it's quite an accomplishment and quite recognition. And um, so I certainly understand that. I would also have to say, I, I, I believe it's very well-deserved. And so, uh, you know, I understand your humility, but uh, uh, I think for many people that see your name on this list, we are not surprised um, and, uh, and think it belongs there. So speaking of the list, uh, this year, I think there's about 30-ish um, distinguished lecturers, maybe just a couple more um, from all over the world. That's right, Joanne. Um, this is a really interesting program. And I, although I knew the lecturers and their their caliber, I, ha- I didn't have an appreciation for what it took to get this, uh, this uh, particular position. Yeah. In fact, um, there are usually well more than 100, uh, 150 or 200 people who will submit uh, or be nominated to be distinguished lecturers. Yeah. And um, every year there are actually no more. It's usually 30 to 35 succeed. Wow. And it's a very rigorous process throughout the entire year of vetting that I can, can explain to you. But it's while it is rigorous, it is also very well supported, very clear, um, and it's it's supportive. Um, so it's a it's a great program. The whole process was uh, a lot of learning as well. Excellent. So so say a little bit more, um, Marise, about the process. So uh, it it kind of starts out maybe uh, in your case. Uh, It might not have been on your radar screen, but other folks saw that and they approached you. Mm -hmm. And that, um, when does the process of selection, when does it start? So um, there is a pretty consistent set of things that happen over the course of a calendar year around the Distinguished Lecturer Program uh, effort to uh, vet the lecturers for the coming year, the year to follow. So um, 
nominations are due in the middle of March. This is very pretty consistent. So in Q1 of each calendar year is when you start thinking of what you want to talk about. It's perfectly fine to self-nominate. Uh, in my case, it was a little different, uh, but uh, or find someone to nominate you. But that's always in March. And uh, by the end of March, uh, if your abstract and bio and nominal slides and title resonate with uh, what the Distinguished Lecturer Committee feels is uh, top of mind for the membership, then there's a, a series of steps that happen next. There is a, um, a, re, uh, a review of slides that is done, a very, very careful review of slides that is done uh, in the September-October time frame. They, and then uh, in November, there is an oral presentation to the committee to um, ensure the caliber of the slides, the, the materials, the presentation ability, both virtually and in person, and how you handle Q&A. And so uh, the idea is that we can give this presentation uh, in our sleep if we have been up all night on a flight to uh, Nigeria and missed planes, and we get off the plane and we walk in and we're ready to go at the top of our game. And we are very well supported. We get assigned two points of contact from the committee to help coach us and help us know the lay of the land. We get presentations and guidance about what we need to do, reminders. It's very, very well-established and well-run program. Wow. So it sounds like um, there's a, a quite a bit of benefit uh, kind of in a professional development sense that even if you aren't selected, you've had the benefit of uh, a lot of folks kind of supporting you to improve your presentation skills and maybe other skills as well, communication, presentation. I found that to be the case, and I found the process to be very collegial. Uh, while we are you know, competing for a spot, I, I found everyone was very supportive and collegial. It was wonderful. Excellent. Um, and so, you know, the topics I want to be sure. And um, so did any of these in, during the process of being selected, um, was some of it done virtually? Were you using, I don't know, Zoom or Teams or something like that? Oh, yes. Yes. So <clears throat> the the um, SPE is is notably international because the places that um, energy is um, is uh, found and, and uh, produced is everywhere in the world. And so distinguished lecturers are everywhere in the world. And they yeah. go everywhere in the world to give right. talks to the chapters, the sections. Yeah. So everything is very virtual, not to mention the issue around um, the the uh, pandemic complications. So absolutely using uh, uh, video conferencing for presentations. There were um, FTP sites for uh, putting uh, our presentations and uh, the use of a number of virtual tools that the SB has for working with presenters. SBE is known for a lot of uh, conferences, and and they have a they're well 
well-oiled machine in terms of helping people with presentations, receiving them, managing them, documenting them, and making sure everything is where it's supposed to be. Very secure, um, very reliable. Yeah. So how long, do you know, how long has the SPE had a distinguished lecturer program? Well, uh, I do now. (laughs) When I I first began, I confess, I didn't appreciate this. Uh, But um, what I do know is that the program was launched in 1961 with three lecturers. And the... the committee and the leaders make a very big point to impress on distinguished lecturers how important our role is, because in this role, we are essentially um, ambassadors for this international organization. We represent SPE. And so um, that is why the selection process is so rigorous. And uh, it's, some of the section were just held to the highest standards. Some of the sections that that ask for our lectures and that we visit, these sections don't even meet unless there's having a lecturer visit. And okay. so, you know, it's it's uh, it's a very diverse set of um, of audience in that, you know. There are uh, a wide range of technical skills, cultural uh, variety, and, you know, all kinds of regions. And so, you know, you, you may be speaking to people who are experts in reservoir engineering and people who don't know anything about reservoir engineering. And so you have to challenge the expert and inform the layman. It's, it's a really great opportunity. That's great. That's a great challenge. The expert and what was the challenge? The expert and and inform the layman and inform the layman. That's a great in thirty minutes, not a minute more. Yeah, I was. Uh, that's 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 a, as I'm glad you brought up this notion that the distinguished lecturers, their primary, I think, customers, if you will, are these local sections of SPE that are around the world and what a tremendous, so it's not to go to these other big conferences and necessarily in, uh, you know, in, in uh, glamorous or glitzy, you know, big cities. Um, There probably is some of that as well, but, but it really is to be resources to these local, some of these local SPE chapters are very small. And so I think it's interesting that you say that sometimes these chapters don't even meet unless they have um, a lecturer that's, uh, that, that's coming in to, to talk to them. So I do think it's a very important program. Um, so again, congratulations on that. So tell us a little bit about your topic. Well, I, um, as I may have signaled a little bit when I was describing my, my, professional focus. The the title of my presentation is Successful Formula for Accelerating Change. And I... None of that stuff going on these days. Change. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. uh, And I, in my both um, empirically as well as through a lot of uh, study and certification, I've 
I've learned a lot about how uh, structured and rigorous change methods are. And um, I'm very keen to help this community have an appreciation for uh, the value that having change acumen brings. Um, a lot of our uh, technical people, and frankly, I would I would expand this. It is not this is not unique to petroleum engineers, and all kinds of digital doers may know of this this uh, situation that. Um, you know, we, we think in structured ways, we understand project management, we, um, we're analytical. And so when someone talks about change, the assumption is that that's soft stuff, that's people stuff. I don't do that, or I'm, I'm not comfortable with that, or we have HR to do that. Um, but just let me manage my project. Um, and what I can Share what I am sharing is the um, scientific rigor uh, around change to help uh, my my colleagues um, see the opportunity to grow a bit in terms of their own capability to. Um, cope with the change they're receiving from above and also uh, lead change uh, no matter what level they're at. So that's a lot of where I'm coming from. I want to make this real in the context of business people, technical people, digital doers. Okay, excellent. I think you're right. I think for way too long, uh, many of us have, and, and perhaps at some level still do, you know, think about change as, uh, like you say, kind of a soft thing. And yet I don't imagine that there are many of us that would just, you know, jump up and down and say, oh, oh, change, change, pick me, you know. Um, but so I, I really like this. I love this notion that, you know, like you said, it's kind of empirical from your experience. But in addition to that, there's some science behind it. Um, so I think that's excellent. Yeah, I don't think there's anything... I think everyone's gained a greater appreciation for the fact that um, there's a lot of value to getting much more accepting, much more willing, much more involved with with changes. So um, good for you, or you say good for you. Thank you. Thank so you. let me ask you, before we get too far, I do want to say I wrote down some of the topics that... Um, you know, that, that the distinguished lecturers this year will be covering. But I mean, you know, it's everything from drilling and reservoir, production operations, completions, um, a couple on health, safety, and the environment, facilities and construction, moving, not moving perhaps, but there's a couple on sustainability, everything from like repurposing, uh, tr you know, oil and gas wells or injection wells, oil, gas, or injection wells to um, geothermal. And, uh, and also, you know, of course, uh, the very um, relevant and very high profile topic around emissions and methane emissions in particular and, and the responsibility that, uh, you know, and the role that the oil and gas industry is going to play in the energy transition. So, I mean, it's a lot. And then there's data analytics and machine learning. So all kinds of topics. Um, and as you say, these folks... Uh, these are the experts um, and they're from all over the world. So it is, 
you know, I think excellent to to have an opportunity to perhaps hear and see a little bit of something um, that is outside of what we normally see. I you mentioned the echo chamber earlier. Um, gosh, that is so easy to get in that space, particularly today, right? In all uh, aspects of our life. So, um, so tell us, what are you looking forward to? What do you already know about your next year as a, a lecturer? And what are you looking forward to? Well, I, uh, at this time, I am slated to give 11, I'm speaking to 11 different sections all around oh, the wow. world. And um, I'm, I am interested in the questions that I'm going to get. I want to see um, how, you know, I want to see where, which parts, what resonates um, and in what way. Uh, and then I'm very eager to um, meet people face to face. I am going to be going out uh, and doing a, some in-person presentations, which I'm delighted about. And there's been a bit of a transition with the program since the pandemic. It was always face to face, and it's entirely funded by the SPE Foundation. Is the SPE Foundation okay? Um, but really, it's connecting with the people and hearing their questions because the questions tell me so much about what what resonated, what they're experiencing. I can I can sort of unravel a whole lot of things that way. And just um, connecting with the people. It's been it, it it goes so far to be able to have some eyeball to eyeball connection and uh, and really be able to to make impact. Uh, I really want to be helpful. That that would be the most gratifying. Yeah. Um. So tell me, you said you will be doing some in-person uh, visits. Um, any place that you're particularly looking forward to? <laughs> well, I'm doing um, some virtually uh, in, um, uh, let's see, my virtual ones are in Venezuela and Canada, like some in South America and Ecuador, uh, and uh, also uh, in Africa, Tanzania and Nigeria. Uh, I'm going and doing India and Norway. Those are all virtual. And my in-person presentations will be in uh, Manila in the Philippines and Phnom Penh in Cambodia. Wow. And so I'm the the sections choose the lectures. So I'm not being sent there by SP. Yeah. I'm being invited there by the it's, sections. And so it's, it's such a cross-section of uh, cultures and also um, capabilities and being able to speak about this topic in those contexts will be, I mean, I'm just really enthusiastic. Yeah. It will be interesting. I think for you, you can gather some data yourself, Marise. You can exactly. see, uh, I wonder how the cultural um, will come out around this topic. Um, I think that will be really interesting to see. The nice, I, I'm very excited about this. And one thing, I mean, obviously I love to travel and see people face to face. The nice thing about the virtual ones uh, is that people from all over the world can still dial into a particular section's oh, wow. um, uh, 
offering. Uh, and so really when you when you go onto the spe.org and you just search on distinguished or distinguished lecturer, you'll see the entire calendar um, and be able to choose what you might like to go to or whatever suits your schedule. And um, I, you know, everyone is welcome. Absolutely. Wow. So we will put in the show notes for everyone, we will put that link to spe.org. And then also, I do think I saw that calendar, and I may go ahead and click on the calendar and, and we'll put uh, then specifically uh, a link that, uh, to get to that calendar. I assume there on that um, page somewhere, uh, there's also uh, an opportunity perhaps to request if you would like to have one of the distinguished lecturers visit. Ah, a good question. Um, the the schedule is entirely locked at this point. Okay. Um, talk about air traffic control. The the team at SPE that manages the distinguished lecturers have got 30 people going to hundreds of countries and keeping everybody safe and uh, where they're supposed to be is a handful. Uh, they don't, um, once they pretty much lock the schedule by uh, August. And so, again, this is a very uh, structured program in okay. order to be able to serve as many sections and, and people okay. as possible. So if somebody's interested, their opportunity as of right now uh, is probably to find the topic that is on someone else's calendar, perhaps being mm -hmm. uh, delivered virtually and to listen in. Yeah. Absolutely, but it's it's very open, and uh, so you you know you may have to. Uh, I don't you know it just depends. You may have to the the meeting may they may be charging some nominal nominal fee okay. for uh, folks to to come to their meeting because it's a nonprofit and it often goes to their education uh, right. efforts. Yeah. But um, it's uh, it's a, a really good cause. Well. <laughs> And the ones that I've attended over the years, they're not terribly cost prohibitive. It's 20, no. 25 bucks. It's, right. it's not uh, terribly expensive. Well, Marise, thank you so much for telling us a little bit about um, the Distinguished Lecturer Program of SPE and for sharing with us today about change. And uh, um, I definitely will, will try to check out... Um, a couple of the sessions and congratulations again. And uh, I hope everyone today uh, has enjoyed on this, this uh, episode, hearing a little bit about this organization that is so uh, critical to our oil and gas industry and, uh, and, and to our history. And so um, thank you for being here, Marise. Thank you so much for including me on Digital Doers. I listen regularly, and I feel very honored to be among some of the really impressive guests that you've had. And uh, I uh, look forward to hearing more great, great things from this, well, this podcast. Well, you are my first distinguished lecturer. So uh, <laughs> this, you are a first here. So thank you so much. Um, again, want to say thank you to our sponsor, HPE. And... Uh, be sure and go take a look at Green Lake, particularly if you've got some uh, cloud services needs and they do all kinds of things. Also want to be sure and say thank you to the OGGN folks that uh, make this podcast uh, actually happen. 
Um, they certainly do all of the stuff. I get to talk to the people. I get to do all the fun things and they do all the things in the background to actually make it available to you and, and make it sound, sound pretty good. So, uh, thank you again to everybody. Marise, thank you to you. Uh, thank you to HPE. And, uh, with that, we'll sign off and, uh, and, uh, talk with you next time. Bye-bye. Come back next week for another venture into the real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.